Hello anyone and everyone, I'm James Sebastian, a video game enthusiast who occasionally writes about the things I find most interesting in video games. Thing is, writing about games can be a pretty solitary endeavor, and it's easy to forget that your opinion isn't the only one in the world. To remedy that, I decided to create a podcast to talk about video game mechanics with other people. That people, it turns out, is my friend Gabe, who actually has experience working in and making games, making his opinion worth far more than mine. This is the podcast we created, where we talk about games, how they work, why they work, and why they sometimes don't. So thank you for tuning in, and welcome to episode one of what we are calling Mechanical Fail. Alright. So you've been playing Hyperlight Drifter. Right. How's that going? Uh, I mean, I actually just beat it. You finished that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Because um, I've been playing it for a while, but I think now I'm like about 14 hours. I didn't quite 100% it. I'm still kind of working through it, but now more leisurely, like, yeah. doing what I can. 14 hours isn't bad. No, it's 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 got and that time. wasn't like blazing through. That was just kind of no. hanging around. I take my time. I look through at the environment a whole bunch. I love the music, so I just kind of sit there listening to it. Cool. But the uh, the game had me hooked from the very start. Like the gameplay feels really really great. Um, and yeah. people compare it a lot to Dark Souls and whatever. That's just that's what everyone compares games to nowadays. It's weird that that's like the rubric for everything, whether it's like it <laughs> applies or not. Which How is how much really Dark funny Souls is this game? Exactly. It's like the new Zelda, right? Everything used to be compared to Zelda. And is that true? I don't remember that being the case, but I guess I wasn't into games when that was the rubric. Like that was like the oh, gold yeah. standard. I mean, just think about it. Like th- so many games that just kind of try to emulate, it. or uh, you know, you could also say like Super Mario sixty four, like yeah, the three D, the original three D era of games. Yeah, people still trying to experiment a fuck ton. Yeah, I guess Ocarina of Time kind of was the. For like an action adventure game of yeah. that style, yeah. I don't feel like it, there were any games that really mimicked it very well. That I completely agree, but it but everyone stole the Z targeting from it. Like that's yeah, just that's standard, true. right? That's true. Yeah, it seems weird not to have that now. Like with games that don't have it, oh. I'm like, well, where is it? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What am I supposed to do? It's very strange. No, but Hyperlight Drifter was. I, I mean, I would complain about things like the plot and just being really confusing, um, and the difficulty wavers and fluctuates. Oh, it does. And it was, Is it linear or no? Um, technically not. It, there's four areas, and you can do them in whatever order you want. But the areas okay. themselves are uh, mostly linear. There's there's kind of some offshoots. The big so thing, it like branches out from a hub? Um, for the main game, yeah. Okay. There's the four different areas. Okay. Um, and each area has a boss, and like it's it's pretty standard. Right. Um. And it is actually kind of short. Like I, you could probably blaze through it on your first playthrough in like six hours. Really? But I was just trying to, you know, see everything and get yeah. everything, um, which is why it took me so long. But uh, no, it was the gameplay that got me is because you know you you have a very simple like standard attack pattern. You get a gun, so you get ranged attacks, mm. and you have um, you have a dash, so like you can dash, you know, around enemies. And then you slowly start getting upgrades, so you can upgrade your dashing and your your attacks. The once you get the the big thing, and I would just watch the speed run to like the big thing you have to get is the dash upgrade, which gives you this like um, stamina meter for your dashing. And so, because normally when you start out, you only have three dashes you can do in a sequence, and then you have to wait a little bit and you can dash again. Oh, okay. But then once you get this upgrade, you can dash infinitely until your da- your stamina meter runs out. So you can dash. 25 times or so <laughs> it's crazy and you speed up as you do it so it actually feels really oh. good it's it's really fun i should i'll show you after this okay interesting yeah i mean the only 
really the only thing I've seen of it is when we demoed it back at Day of the Devs. Oh yeah, like and that felt really a year rough. ago or more, more than a year ago. No, like two years ago now. Two years, Jeez. yeah. That game's been developed. It was wrong. it was super rough back then compared yeah. to what was released. Okay, yeah, which is interesting because a lot of big games were there, man. Like we saw Hyperlight Drifter, we saw Titan Souls. Oh yeah, we saw shit. Uh, Axiom Verge. Yeah, Axiom Verge. That's on. Um, Talos Principle. That's right. I was there, yeah. I and Goat Escape 2. You can't forget Goat Escape. That's right. <laughs> Goat Escape 2. I haven't played it. I really wanted to. Do you? Yeah. Uh, it looked fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I really want to play Hyperlater for I just haven't, um, I haven't, there's <laughs> There's too many games. Too many games, and I was focusing on some other platforms than PC for a little while. Yeah. I've actually just shifted back to PC just recently. I was playing, well, no, that's not true. I was playing... Uh, Akiba's Trip, which is, I think it's supposed to be a pun, Akiba's Strip. Yeah. Because basically you just run around and beat people up and then pull their clothes off to make them <laughs> disappear. Because they're vampires, right? Or they're like vampire-like. Okay, wait, I didn't actually know what this game is. Oh, so basically you, you run, do you, you know the um, Akibahara district in Tokyo? Yeah. Okay. The game is, is you hang out there and it becomes attacked by these zombie slash vampire people. Okay. But they never actually like appear to be doing any harm. It's really weird. <laughs> so you just go around beating so you go people around, that look a little lethargic. Yeah, you basically like go around and you and you find you discover who they are. Basically, I mean everything's scripted. Like you you can go around and just like find random ones and beat them up and do it and there's a bunch of like side stuff you can do. Yeah. But the main game is actually pretty short and you just you go and it's scripted and there's a storyline of you have to become a vampire cuz like you're going to die and then this oh, okay. you, get, you like it's like, I don't know. You like, one of the characters is like, does like a weird blood transfusion y type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then you're like half I see. vampire, half not. Um, so then you beat And then up. you kill the vampires? Yeah, so then you hunt the vampires down, but the way you do it is like, you just get like baseball bats and stuff. Nice. And you beat them up, and then to defeat them, you have to pull their clothes off, <laughs> which is hilarious. It doesn't make any sense either, because like, <laughs> they have like exposed skin the entire game, like, because they're wearing like shorts and stuff. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, when you pull their shirt off and their pants off, then they like die. It makes no sense, but it's really goofy and it's it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's so it's weird. dumb, but I enjoyed it. Um, so I played that. I played through that once. It's just it's totally anime, you mm-hmm. know, and it kind of like plays on a lot of those tropes. But yeah, it's fun. Like it's, fun. it's 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 a jokey yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not supposed to be super serious at all, which is fun. I, I kind of wanted awesome. to play a lighthearted game because I hadn't done that in a long time actually. So I played that, and I was playing. Uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, which is weird. I mean, I from what I've seen, it doesn't look good. So, on a technical level, it's made very well. Right. Surprisingly well, Which just actually. makes you cry when you realize what kind of game it is. Well, it came out, I thought it came out in 2007. I was wrong. It came out in 2010. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which makes it... Because I remember watching previews on game trailers back then. Okay, yeah. And being like, okay, I guess this is a <laughs> Castlevania game. <laughs> the thing is, like... I think it fits the tone yeah. fine. Yeah. It's just that it, it's just really disjointed because everything is context specific. Mm-hmm. So you can climb on some walls and it like very explicitly shows you like, here's a this ledge you can climb on, okay. right? Instead of like doing it environmentally where like there are certain textures that you know you can grip to and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It's just like literally a highlighted oh. line. Oh, that's... Yeah. There's... Um, there's definitely some shadow of the Colossus influence, but it's like five years later, so you think it'd be better, but it's worse. <laughs> because you don't use a grip gauge the whole time you're holding <clears throat> on to stuff. Uh-huh. You just automatically hang there, and then there are certain moments where you have to hold our, the, like, the right trigger oh. to hang oh, for, like, weird. a minute. That's weird. 
So it's really weird. Yeah, it just yeah. it's very unintuitive, and it's very easy to die because you just mistime something. Because right. it's all quick time events. Like right. everything is quick time events in that game. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it's a shame too because it it looks so good, <laughs> <laughs> and the environments look. I mean, they're a place that you want to explore, but you really can't. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, that's that's the fucking worst. No, that, that's that's why the Souls series is so amazing to me. And targeting back Shadow of Glosses, you see a place you can probably just run over to it and hang and out you, there. And if you can't go there, there's a geographical reason yeah. why you can't go there. Like an like it's a mountain. Yeah. Or a huge cliff face. Not just an invisible wall. Yeah. That you're running into. I don't. The closest thing I can remember to a, uh invisible wall in Shadow of the Colossus is the beach, the waves that mm-hmm. you can't go past. Yeah. That's just, that's about it, <clears throat> I think. I mean, yeah. There are probably others, well, but there's like cliffs and actual mountainsides. Well, you well, those are natural like when well, you fall barriers. into a death state, you can't actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't stop you from crossing it, but you just die when you get there. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to the like going off topic? I guess did you ever get to the top of the? Of the tower? Of the tower in Shadow of the Colossus? Yes. Yeah. That was one of my proudest moments <laughs> playing games. Or coming back to games. Because that was the first game I played, I think, or the second game I played after getting back into video games. Yeah. And, yeah, I read about how you could do it, and I was like, hell yes. I've just seen the videos. I tried it. I swear I tried it for, like, five hours. And if I you tried it... Messing up. If you tried it on the PS3 version, you can't do it without having a very, very high grip gauge. Because they fixed the glitch where you can diagonal jump. Ah. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Because I, I did in the PS2 version, US, and in that version, the glitch exists. Mm-hmm. Which So it exists in the Japanese version and the US, or the North American version. Right. They fixed it for PAL. I see. Which and is PAL weird. is the one that they ported to PS3, I assume? Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure. They At the very least, they fixed that. I mean, that tends to be how it goes. I mean, yeah, the most recent yeah. release is the one they're going to use, because it's yeah. the most complete, generally. One would think. So. Um, but it kind of bummed me out. That glitch... Was cool. And yeah. Like, it didn't really hurt anything. Like, I really don't know why they bothered fixing it. It didn't really change anything. I don't know. Because all it does is make you play through the game a bunch of times so that your grip gauge is high enough. <laughs> I mean, that's really all it does. Right. I mean, like, it's it's made to get to. It's not blocked off from being no, able yeah, to climb it. So, I mean, there's things up there to see. And like, right. what was it? The the apples you can eat that lower your health, health meter. Yes. Yeah. That was that was a cool thing. Yeah. I had a good. It was a nice little moment when I got up there. That's. Nice. I mean, and it wasn't even like, oh, I accidentally discovered it because there was no way I was going to figure that out. Yeah, I read about it. That was, I'm sure I saw it in Game Facts back in the day or something. Yeah, it's just way too esoteric to find them. Yeah, how people find that shit on it? Yeah, after after working at Super Evil long enough, like seeing the shit that players find, ever having a hordes of people playing your game, someone's still going to find it. That's the thing, right? I mean, the more people you play, pretty much every possibility is going to be yeah discovered. Unless it requires <laughs> something that's not possible to do. And people still fucking discover well, yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> I've always wanted to do like a, you know, a CD data dump or something and look through the game files to find more things. Because that's, that's super cool, the things that people do and discover. Well, that's how Shadow of the Colossus. Um, are you familiar with that? There's a YouTube channel. Um, there's a guy. I forget his name. Um, but he goes by Nomad Colossus. Hmm. And he basically... Tore through the entire game's code, or not the code, but whatever data you can pull from yeah. the disc, and I've just some went of searching through everything. And yeah, because like, there was the rumor of the seventeenth Colossus yeah. for the longest time, Which is and like never I think thing. this guy was the one that finally was like, "No, yeah, there's, there's nothing, nothing in there." In there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he said it's weird. Like looking through, he's like, "Yeah, you kind of like you learn that there's nothing hiding anymore, mm-hmm. but 
he, I don't know. He had an interesting like take on the whole thing of like going through and looking back behind the curtain of everything. Right. Um, but there are a lot of cool discoveries. It just leads to more questions because you don't know what, right? Why some things were cut or like what they were supposed to be for. Yeah. Which I always find no, because they did. Oh no, maybe it was just magazine scans that had like pictures of alternate colossi that didn't make it into the game. I don't yeah. know if those are in the game files. Uh, some might. I think be. they might have been. Some. Might I remember be. reading this forever ago, like a year ago now. Yeah. But that was really cool. I never even got. I, I like. I knew about the the birds you could like latch onto that would take you around, but I never. I never could quite catch them. There's one that's pretty easy to do, <clears throat> but yeah, it's not the easiest trick. Yeah. You yeah, can catch yeah. fish too, do you not? Know no. You can go shit. swimming with fish. Like that's they'll awesome. pull you. That's yeah. super awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of weird tricks in that game. Yeah, they all these little things they put in there. Well, it's nice because they don't really do anything. <laughs> like, there's no point. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's that's the thing. It's a big open world with nothing there except for for you to admire it and contemplate your the destruction of the Colossi. Right. That's the thing. Uh, one of the things. Uh, there's a mechanic in that game specifically that does not well. Nothing obvious. It's where you can pat aggro, mm-hmm. and I don't think it actually serves any real function. Oh, no. I don't know if it makes aggro behave more for a set amount of time or what. I'm pretty sure like there's very few things that they're more for for the feel of the game yeah, yeah. than they are for the actual like mechanics. Right, which I find really <laughs> fascinating because you don't see that very much. Yeah, what you see instead is stuff that's in there for, like, one purpose, mm-hmm. and then it's not used anymore. <laughs> that's the worst. But it's there for, like, a reason, but it's, like, it's usually, like, a story, some bogus yeah. story reason, and you're just like, okay, why Why was that, <laughs> why that really was what you needed to put in here, huh? Well, playing through Dark Souls 3, like, uh, you pick up the small doll, and I hadn't realized that you needed to cross the bridge, so I was secretly really hoping that it would be used for going into a painted world. Yeah, yeah. I'm still kind of holding out hope because I haven't beaten the game, but I, I doubt it. I doubt the game. I don't think they it, would repeat that It trick. feels like it's got one... Like, a lot of items feel like they have one use, which makes me a little sad. I think that was pretty <laughs> true in, the, in all of the games. Oh, no, so. it is, but that's... I'm just saying... I mean, items is one thing. It's not like... An entire mechanic just yeah, one thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, it's not like a mini-game is what, I guess what I'm getting oh, at. Like, Because there are so like, many <laughs> things where it's just like, well, like with the quick time events, right? In, yeah. In Lord of Shadow. They're repeated a lot, but they're like... Why are they in here? Like, why do I have to time they had to pat out my the game button somehow. press? Because, like, so you can whip guys and pull them towards you, right? Yeah. To, do, to basically just do, like, a finishing move on real fast. But you have oh. to time the attack. Like, you, you press, I guess, R, whatever button it is. You press <laughs> the button, you whip them, you pull them towards you, and then, like, this circle comes in, and you got to time your butt, your second button press yeah. to the circle coming in so that you can f- do the finishing move. And it's like... That's... That was really huge back then, though. Like, God of War, I feel like... God of made War it so was... Everyone had to do it, right? Yeah, and... And it's kind of annoying, because I, I love games that don't tell you what you have to necessarily do. Like, you just... That's the thing. You just do what kind of feels naturally by experimenting, and you pull off cool moves. Like, right. Devil May Cry did this, phena- like, phenomenally. See, and I haven't played those. Um, I should probably try those to see what Oh, yeah, they're, like they're very difficult. Um, but... Yeah, Playing playing Devil May Cry one is decent. Playing Devil May Cry three, I think, is a must for the series. Really? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and I've heard decent things about four, but I never got around to playing it. But like, just just for the the feel, like you you can basically see. Oh well, okay. God of War <clears throat> was this kind of action adventure game. Like you're kind of fighting a lot, but if you play Devil May Cry, you're like, wow, that's really a step back. Really? 
At least in my opinion. For for the style of game I prefer. Okay. Right? God of War was just too easy. It was just very focused on, like, the cinematics. While Devil May Cry had that as well, but it the gameplay was, like, the core. And the bosses, you know, the the variety of movesets you can use and weapons. And, like, it was, it's really interesting. That's interesting. So, what I've gotten from Lords of Shadow so far is it's just basically a game of Simon Says most of the time. <laughs> um which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I played it for a pretty long play session without mm-hmm. being like, this is horrible. Yeah. It was just kind of like, okay, now I do this, now I do this. And it's all very, like, pretty explicitly laid out for you. Yeah. But what I don't like about <laughs> when they do that, like, it's, it's kind of, if you're going to do that for your game, do it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah, you're just going along for the ride and it's fine. There's some challenge there, but it's not the most challenge. It's usually just like, right. oh, I just didn't time it right, and then I got to go back and do it again. Yeah. But then sometimes it will not give you direction, and then you're like, what am I supposed to do? So there's <laughs> like, I, there was this, there was this ledge, <laughs> and you rappel down the ledge, right? Yeah. And I'm going fine, okay. And then it looks like you can like turn around and jump. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And you just jump into death. Yeah, like five <laughs> times, and I'm like, what am I, where am I supposed to go? Turns out you're supposed to like jump, like push off the rock uh-huh. while you're holding the whip, and then release yourself so that you land on the, cause like there's a, there's a clear platform, like I know where I'm supposed to go. I see. I just didn't know how to get there. And it's because they teach you way back how to repel and do this, but you don't use it enough. Right. And it's like very specific when you need to use it, so I was just like, I don't understand. And so, I don't know. I don't like that they introduce something and then don't, you don't, you need it like right then and then you don't need it for like a half an hour or an Mm -hmm. hour. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you're going to need this again. It doesn't promote use or mastery or anything. Oh yeah. And so. They're just, honestly, that reminds me a lot of, I want to say Twilight Princess with its one use dungeon items, which makes me really sad. You know, I have to say I was really surprised when the news of the HD remake coming out. People were, like, really excited about that. Oh, God. And all I could think of was, like, you really want to play through that whole game again? <laughs> That's the last Zelda I want to go back and play. Seriously. It I... was a very long, very tedious game for me. I liked parts of it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty... But I am pretty ambivalent about it nowadays. When I, when I first played it, I remember being really impressed. But I think it was mostly because it was a jump in tech at the time. Oh, visually it's great. Yeah. It sounds good. Oh, but the HD remake doesn't look very good. Well, how good could it look? Those those assets aren't very high res. Well, that's the thing. Like in my opinion, the visual unless they redrew everything, which the, they weren't going to do. The visual style is just not yeah. very good. Like Wind Waker looks fucking phenomenal nowadays. Yeah. And the HD remake, they just upped the bloom to eleven, which well, makes it look they decent. added bloom. Right. Bloom didn't exist in the original, <laughs> um, and I kind of wish they hadn't changed it. Yeah, I actually haven't played the game. It doesn't. I don't think it looks bad. It doesn't I look did. bad. I just think the original looked better because they do grade uh, they do gradients mm. in the new in the HD and they did not do gradients in the original and I think that's what really gave it its cartoony the look. The flat style. Uh huh. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Yeah, the gradients are a little strange because it's it definitely feels like it's gone from cartoony to an actual 3D world with. It just looks plasticky to me. Yeah. Like I say, it's not bad. It's just no, it's a different style. Just different. But I think the original style is my favorite. Like I really love that. Because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, looking, trying to think of, like, the kind of game I want to design. Mm. And I'm, I'm, after playing a lot of Hyper Light Drifter, I've decided that that game is by far 
the the best example of a pixel art game in terms of like being able to tell what things are as you're fighting. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like many pixel art games, I just kind of get things get lost in the noise. Whereas with Hyperlight Drift Drive, I I know what I'm fighting. I can see everything coming at me. When I get hit, I feel like I fucked up. I, it wasn't because something got hidden on the screen. That's interesting too, because I feel like the the perspective's from a pretty good distance. Yeah, it is. Like things are not really large. No. In that game, right? No. So that's, I mean, a testament to the artists that you oh, yeah. can understand what you're seeing without having to have a, a really close-up view of it. But that's that's exactly the point. Like, it's it takes a lot of effort to do that, and I feel like it's in vogue, right? It's been in vogue. True. But I don't I don't necessarily want to go down the route of making a 2D pixel art game, but I do want to see what kind of art styles would be nice to have that are kind of 2D-ish. And so Wind Waker and Okami have been, like, ones that come to mind really well. And all the super giant games, like those are fucking gorgeous to look at. And they have like those are all three D games, but they go for the a more like two D aesthetic. I don't know that Okami is actually three D yeah, uh, entirely. It, no, it, well, maybe not entirely, but there are definitely Oh, I mean there are three D elements for sure. I wonder how much of it is though. I think a good amount, but you can especially back then in the PS two days, like you would throw in a lot of sprites just because right. it's cheaper than throwing in models. Even in Bloodborne, there are sprites, and I was shocked oh, yeah. to see them all the time. It's just easy to do when you need to, when you need like to instance the little grass coming out of the cobblestone and stuff. Yeah, those are all sprites. Yeah, and I it was very <laughs> jarring. The camera angles in that game, or the possibilities for camera angles with the movement of it, mm-hmm. are not very flattering to some of the <laughs> assets in that game. This is true. Um, Definitely, unfortunately, the game looks beautiful. Best from like a. I don't know, 45 degree up view. Right. And the problem with that game is that there are so many objects taller than you. Yeah. That You're always it, looking up from the ground to them. It exposes some yeah. less than stellar work, which is a, which is a shame because generally it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. But there are a few spots where I was just like, whoa, that's really, yeah. really, really takes me out of it. I haven't seen very much of that in Dark Souls 3 yet. Pretty impressed with. I don't know that they have. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of grass. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of kind of low poly assets. Or like, I don't think the camera is as freeform as it is in Bloodborne, though. Either. I don't think it has the range. I could be wrong, but it didn't feel to me like yeah. it had the range that it did in Bloodborne. I would believe that. I, I need to go back and compare the two because, at the very least, because the game is at a slightly slower pace, I feel like the camera you know, can pan about much more smoothly. Yeah. Instead of a Bloodborne where things are very dynamic. Yeah. That's the thing is Bloodborne, all of the bosses are taller than you. They're at least twice your height. Well, unless it's a Gascoin. Gascoin, but he also becomes he, he, he right. taller. Yeah. Gascoin and Mikolash. He's the only one who's not yeah. bigger than you. But Mikolash. <laughs> yeah. But everything else you fight is at least twice as tall as you. Right. Um, That's a good point. Which, well, except for the DLC, which I realize you haven't played yet. Right, okay. Right. <laughs> Not everything. Yeah. Most of the bosses are huge. Whereas the Souls games, they're big, but they are not. Qu- they don't seem to be the same scale. Yeah, which I'm happy about. I like the I like the diversity in, like the of enemy bosses that they have in 3 so far. I think they did a good <laughs> job of trying to do more gimmicky bosses, and I use gimmicky in the most positive sense. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that the bosses in Demon Souls are better than Dark Souls overall because of the gimmicks that they have. I think that. I think I agree with you. I think the they Tower Knight fight is fantastic. Much more memorable. Yes. Which I think is. I think har- having hard boss battles is a worthy thing, but you can't have every single one be that. And to make them memorable, you want to 
Yeah, generally, I think you're right. I mean, people always complain about the the Dragon God. Dragon God, I think, is the worst one. In my but opinion. I didn't dislike that fight. I didn't think of it as a fight, really. I thought of it as a puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And well, I was completely satisfied with it. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad at all. Yeah. Because you had to fight... Uh, what's the... God, what's the demon he fights with? Oh, that? Flame Lurker. The yeah. Flame Lurker right before that. You, you go, you two really boss difficult. battles in a row. Right. Yeah. So I had no problem with shifting over to the Dragon God, which is just a totally different experience. Yeah. I didn't feel like that was a bad way to go at all. So it's funny to me that people thought that was kind of a weak boss when, I mean, Dark Souls has, I don't know, the Four Kings aren't that fun. No, the Four Kings, <laughs> well, it depends who you ask. I did not like that fight. For, if you can't put out the damage, it's a bad Painful fight. Yeah, it's a long... It can be a very long, yeah. painful fight. But Artorius is great. Yeah, right? I mean, he was... But, I mean, it's a very... Probably the best fight in the game. It's a very standard fight, though, right? Yeah. But it's it's the kind of fight, in my opinion, it's the kind of fight Lord Gwyn should have been, right? Yes, Gwyn, I... Gwyn was very easy, because you can just parry him to death. Yeah, if you're good at parrying, he's easy. If you have extremely high poise, he's pretty easy. Right, you can just ignore his attacks, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had to... <laughs> In my first playthrough, I had to completely change my style. I was a eh, like a moderate dex build, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I had to completely abandon that, put on Havel's armor, <laughs> and just parry him and take the damage because I couldn't I couldn't beat him otherwise. He was just he hit me too hard. Mm-hmm. And I there I had no way to I could probably do it now. Right. But at the time I was not I mean it was the first Souls game I played, yeah. so I, I was not good enough to do it. I mean, I I basically didn't parry at all when I played Demon Souls, which was my first Souls game. Mm-hmm. And then in Dark Souls, I kind of parried, but it wasn't really till like my second or third playthrough of Dark Souls that I was like starting to get good at parrying. I don't think Demon Souls really requires that you parry at all. It doesn't. It can be helpful. It's, it's a lot of fun. It definitely. You Enemies aren't as easily parryable in Demon Souls in my compared to Dark there Souls. There are probably fewer that can be parried. Yeah. Total, I would guess. So I've been playing Dark Souls two, and I finally am at the point where I am used to its movement again. Okay. But it took me forever. It is, it's amazing how, how that is the case. Like, Bloodborne is very different from Dark Souls 1 and 3, and 2, obviously. Yeah. And it feels, it's much, for me, it was much easier to shift into that mindset than it is to shift into Dark Souls 2. I don't know, my trajectory was Dark Souls 1, I think Demon's Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. From... Dark Souls to Demon Souls, there was a, like a little bit where I was just like, "Oh, this game's a little bit faster," mm-hmm. but mechanically, it still felt pretty much the it same, just on a slightly different exactly skill, right? Yeah, everything is faster, but it's all relative. Mm-hmm. So if I go like between Dark Souls and Demon Souls, it takes me like a half a second to be like, "Oh yeah, I can move a little bit faster now," or I have to roll a little bit earlier. Right. Then I go to Dark Souls two, and I am just I can do nothing. I, it took me so long to get through the first area mm-hmm. because rolling feels different. Rolling is very different, yes. It's not nearly as useful. Oh, you you don't have the invincibility frames until you put it put in all the agility points, basically. And here's the thing that I noticed, and I, it took me a long time to figure out what the problem was. And what I think it is, is it's the animations do not accurately reflect the physics the I way see. they did in the other games. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I, I can't imagine this is actually a reason why. But you know how they turned off the ragdoll physics in 2? Yeah. It seems like turning that off screwed everything up. <laughs> and I know that's not, they're probably not even related. <laughs> but they but they did change the way the physics work. 
Yeah, definitely. probably to accommodate the roll the 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 invincibility frames, and I think that messed up the way the animations work, mm-hmm. and therefore the way that the character feels when you're controlling them, mm-hmm. because running feels weird. Yeah, rolling like you roll a surprisingly short distance, but then you can jump extremely far oh, yeah. depending on your stats. So there's like a very it's very hard to gauge like what you can actually do. Well, and the attacks also felt very strange to me. Like the the your stamina used compared to how much how, like your attack swing felt very different from the other games. Yeah, and that that always threw me off. And that like not even to get into parrying, I basically gave up on parrying in Dark Souls Two because <laughs> I could not do it at all. I don't think the I've timing. I've I've parried three times. I think really. Yeah. <laughs> But it's weird, because I can go... Because then I played Bloodborne, and I was like, yeah, this is much faster. But it didn't take very long to get used to it. Mm-hmm. You get used to the speed, because your character... What you're seeing on the screen feels like what should be happening. Right. And I think 2 just never could accomplish that. And I'm not really sure why. Yeah, I wonder myself. Maybe they were just trying to tune things away from Dark Souls, or maybe it was because of like that agility stat that they're trying to tweak things around to... Yeah. To make them feel different and make that stat worth having. And just, they never quite could get it to the polish level they needed to. That seems like the likeliest reason. It's really interesting, though, because I don't... I feel like nobody benefited from that. And I don't understand how they didn't play it and feel like this feels weird. Mm-hmm. Like, how could they play <clears throat> Demon Souls or Dark Souls and be like, oh yeah, this game feels yeah. similar. It doesn't feel anything like those games to me. Well, they... They did deviate a whole lot in a lot of different ways from Demon Souls and Dark Souls. For good and bad, I think there were a lot of good things that came out of it and that have been put into Dark Souls 3 now. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you, at least for me, I remember all the things that make the game feel just weird and like hard to play. Yeah, so one thing I messed around with was I was just hanging around in Majula and I was just spinning my character around. <laughs> and they like literally spin... As if they're like on a tabletop or something, yeah. like on like a record. It's very weird. And maybe the other games I are like that too. I'm pretty sure the other games do that too. And I, I I wonder too if it's like the controller I was using. It feels like I can only turn in 90 degrees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't. It doesn't feel like you have a, a nice even mm-hmm. rotation when you move. It's like I'm going straight. Now I'm at 45 degrees. Yeah. Now I'm at 90 degrees. That's weird. <clears throat> and none of the other games gave me that feeling. And like I say, it could be the controller, but I've played both the PS3 version and the, and PC. the PC version with two different controllers, and they both felt like that to me. No, I'm pretty sure it's just the general feel of the game is very different, yeah. So, it's interesting. I mean, in a game like Dark Souls, where weight actually plays a part mm-hmm. in how your character controls, it's weird that they could get it that wrong, and nobody was like, hey, uh, we should fix this. <laughs> Which is a shame because once I can, once I do get used to it, mm-hmm. I like that game. Right. I actually do, and I mean, I wouldn't have beaten it if I hated it. Right. Because I you spend just too many hours on it to, to to hate it, but it takes me a really long time to get into it. Oh yeah. I will have to force myself to play and die in stupid ways because just something doesn't work like I expect it to. Right. But then once you readjust your expectations, it's pretty good in a lot of places. Yeah, I think I agree overall. I mean, my main thing was that it felt very hard to tell myself to go back and play it after I played it the first time through, just because there were a lot of pieces that felt like would take a lot of energy to go through again. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's kind of the thing that's kept me from going back. And I still have to beat the final DLC, which I hear is supposed to be the best one. But like, I feel like I just have to go back and do it. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll actually try to go back and play play through it again or try out Scholar of the First Sin just because I have lots of other games to play. I feel like I'd rather get to them first before going back to Dark Souls 2. Yeah, that's the thing. I've been trying to play different games too, and that's why I went with Lords of Shadow because it's funny. I mean, I was looking... I mean, I like Castlevania games, and I like Gothic-style games mm-hmm. in general. And so, I don't know. There's not a wealth of games in that vein to play. There's more than there used to be, for sure, but there's still not a ton. Right. And so, you know, I had heard about the game and was looking at reviews and stuff, and it's gotten... You know, it had really good scores. And weirdly enough, it's the best-selling Castlevania game of all time. Huh. <laughs> which is really baffling to me. I can't believe that. So when I went to play it... First of all, you're, it's, everything's broken up by cutscenes all over the place. Yeah, of course. But also, like, physics in that game are weird. Jumping, you jump very high, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really have a whole lot of consequence because it's not a very good way to dodge enemies. Mm-hmm. And you use it for platforming around, but the platforming is not... I don't know. It feels like there are just, like, arbitrary limits to how far you can jump, and it doesn't... It's not constant. Oh, that's weird. So, like, sometimes there's, like, a long gap... Mm-hmm. Like there's one area where you're what you're the intended thing to do, and eventually an on-screen prompt tells you to do this. You you are supposed to ride a beast across and jump across this gap, right? Based on how high you jump in the fight preceding that moment, it looks as if maybe you can jump and then you'll like hang on yeah. to the other side. You can't make it, but it feels like physically you should probably be able to make that jump, right? And since you have the whip, it makes no sense that you should need a beast or jump across. They just wanted to throw that mechanic in there for some reason. It's very, very strange to me. Mechanically in that game, like you never feel like it. You can rely on what you, what you're doing. That's a bit of a shame, yeah. Yeah, it is because the combat's okay. Actually, yeah. it's not that bad. Dodging isn't great. There's no stamina meter or anything like that, so it's basically just dodge all day. Cha- it's dot. Well, no, I mean there's a there's a there's a time there's an animation <clears throat> time. Yeah, and that has to basically like reset itself so that you can dodge again. Mm-hmm. But there's no limit to dodging, mm-hmm. and it's not really that useful. You basically because it's very strange because your whip reaches a very very long distance across the screen, and you would think you could just whip enemies from a very very safe distance the entire time. But then enemies will hit you seemingly out of nowhere. <laughs> like they'll do if they're facing you and you're whipping them and you're like slowly kind of moving towards them as you whip. Yeah. Then they'll do like a lunge attack and they will hit you even though you are not anywhere near them. And it's clearly just designed so that you can't do that. Right. And so, like, it just doesn't obey any kind of, like... It doesn't seem to mimic any kind of reality yeah. at all. Even That's... though, obviously, no one could jump like that. But, <laughs> but if it was like, a consistent jump... Right. And, you, and it was a predictable what you could do and what you couldn't do, it would be a much more immersive and believable game. Right. But I'm constantly trying to figure out why I got hit by something when what I'm seeing does not reflect that at all. Right. No, you're right. I mean, the, the internal consistency of a world or like a feel of the game matters so much. If you if you fuck with that all the time for, you know, the sake of a cutscene or the sake of some quick time event or something like, you're gonna lose your players. And that's at least in my opinion, that's bad. Yeah. I, I really enjoy games that, that can story tell through the gameplay, that can let you just kind of explore the world on your own. And for that you need really solid mechanics that are consistent and that that makes the game like greater than the sum of all its mechanics. It's just really great to play. It feels great. I think the industry is kind of learning that, but I, it's hard to tell. Because then you still see games like... Well, actually, no, I'm really curious because 
now that Doom is out. Oh yeah, the new Doom. I'm really curious to see if they have incorporated any like philo- philosophical lessons that we all should be learning. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's gotten very, very good reviews so far right. from what I could tell, and it looks great. I mean, it looks fantastic, but I wonder if it feels good to play. I mean, I've heard good things, so I'd be yeah. curious to see the way that like the original Doom, granted, didn't really have physics in the same way. I mean, right. you run extremely fast, but there's no jumping. Um, everything's on a flat plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wonder if it feels as good. But that's a genre I haven't really played much of yeah, me neither. in recent history, so I don't know. I'm trying to think of any shoot. Well, actually, you know what? I mean, yeah, I mean, this is data now by far, but I guess like Half-Life 2, right? Mm-hmm. Half-Life 2 didn't feel that good to me to play. I Yeah, I think I agree. I think it does a lot of things right, but yeah, it might just be that I'm not a huge fan of that style of first-person shooter because it was coming from the, like, I guess, Quake days, right? Yeah, I guess... Half-Life 2 comes from Half-Life 1, which came from the Quake engine. But, but see, Quake feels great to play. Ah, it's not really my style. That's why, no? that's why I feel like it's weird, because I played through Half-Life 1, and it feels like a rougher Half-Life 2 in that you're just kind of flying around everywhere and just, like, madly attacking. I think it might be partly the perspective in that, like, it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. It's very, oh, I see what you're saying. It's very, like, flat. Yeah. So you don't get a feeling of weight at all. Yeah, and that that's my issue with like a lot of these really fast paced shooters. There's you don't it doesn't feel realistic. You just right. feel like you can fly everywhere. But you see, have very floaty jumps. You but you move extremely fast as you're running through the world. I understand people like playing those games because they like they're kind of fun to play in like a large deathmatch sort of scenario. But it feels just often. Yeah, I have really mixed feelings about it because Doom is very very fast but feels great. Mm-hmm. However, because it doesn't have actual 3D movement, right. That may be why that speed feels okay. Right. Whereas Quake does have actual 3D movement, is slower pace. I mean, it's fast, but it's definitely slower than Doom. Mm-hmm. And it feels real. To me, it felt really good. Everything feels like it looks like your jumps mm-hmm. are consistent. They feel, you know, you, you feel like, yeah, that's about how far I could probably actually jump. It doesn't, it's not ridiculous. Right. Then I played Half-Life 2 and I was like, you know, you're going up ladders with no, like, <laughs> indication that you're moving. Like, you're just, like, floating up. Floating screen. up a ladder. <laughs> it's very disjointed. And that just, I couldn't get over that. I just couldn't. Right. Which is really a shame, because, I mean, it, most of that game looks great. But there's just, like, these weird things that I can't get over mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to enjoying it. I guess it's kind of humorous to single out Half-Life for that, because, I mean, they created... Like you know, right. movable objects and that kind of thing, but they don't. I mean, they just float in front of your face. You know what I mean? It's just not. Yeah, imp- yeah. when you pick them up or when. You yeah, do. the tech just what didn't couldn't quite match the ambition, or maybe like just the art didn't reflect because I don't because Portal doesn't have that issue so much. I mean, the Portal gun right, gives you a thing. reason you're, for you're the object the, to float in front of right. you, right? So it's believable. But you could do the same thing with the gravity gun, which is basically what it was, right? Yeah, but you can pick up boxes before that. Yeah. No, I know. And, and there's no arm. They just float in front of you. <laughs> yeah. So I think something as simple as using your gun as the mediary mm-hmm. goes a long mm-hmm. way into making your world more believable. And it's funny because it's the obvious thing to do, right? Right. Because that is, that is your tool in a first-person shooter. Exactly. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I mean, Doom is just a game about shooting stuff, so I don't think you're... I, don't, I can't imagine there's... Well, I don't know. I can't imagine there's like... You're picking up boxes and stuff. I would doubt it. I mean, I doubt that there's going to be any physics-based puzzles, but I don't know. I, I kind of want to go watch a playthrough now. Yeah. That, and I want to... One of the, Actually, the game I'm interested in, also, that I haven't played, that 
some people seemed to really like and some people didn't like was um, Alien Isolation. Mm. Because I think that game probably is very heavily tied to its, its physics because you move so slowly, mm-hmm. comparatively, and you're supposed to. Right. So I wonder how that works. I mean, it's such a different style of game. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of any other first-person games. Amnesia? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I haven't played that. You're talking about horror games? Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, in first-person horror, you don't have that kind of speed, or you shouldn't have that kind mm-hmm. of speed anyway. I don't know. That was actually one of the weird things with the Talos Principle. Because the, you know, it's a puzzle game. Right. Ostensibly. And that's, like, what you do for 40-some hours. Probably less if you don't try to do everything. But right. <laughs> because it came from, from Crow Team, who had worked on Serious Sam, like, they had, they have an engine for a first-person shooter. It feels like first-person shooter physics in a puzzle game. Yeah. So, like, imagine, imagine playing Portal, but with Half-Life 1 and like physics. <laughs> <laughs> that would not work well. Yeah, so I that, think. And and that's the thing, like and it's even less physics oriented than Portal is, because there is no jumping around. It's literally just like walking around and putting things on switches and not. But yeah, that felt very odd to me. First person has a lot of challenges. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you don't give the player the kind of visual feedback that you can give when you show what they look like. Mm-hmm. Right? It's interesting because like I'm thinking I'm just thinking of like even though in Zelda you can't actually jump yourself, the jumps do feel good when you do them. I mean, you know, they're very carefully designed so that you can only clear certain gaps. Right. And basically you only even engage in the jump when you reach one of those specific markers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that you can make a jump or not and, like, what you have to do for it. But first person doesn't really have that. So maybe it's time to play Mirror's Edge so we can get a real... I played Mirror's Edge. <laughs> And I'm thinking about that now, actually, mm-hmm. a lot. That game was really good, I think, in terms of its physics. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel bad. It is hard to see some things sometimes, and that's why they used the color coding mm-hmm. uh, to basically direct you, which right. I think was a smart idea. I'm actually really nervous that this new version of it is not going to be very good. And it's because, A, they changed the cutscene art style to be just regular boring cg stuff which mm-hmm. is really lame but also it's supposed to be more open world and i don't think that's going to work very well for that type of game hmm. that game is an obstacle course game right it's not yeah i mean it has some branching paths and some exploration but it is not a oh i'm gonna go run around and talk to people game right and i don't know why you would want to make that i mean it could depend i mean if you have a proper like mission structure you can basically confine the player to doing certain things around the around the map right so I, i'm thinking of like prototype or or uh, infamous which were very similar games that came out right around the same time and like they're both open world so you can just run around the entire city but you go and you go to a place and you start a mission and even the mission might just be go from point a to point b but because it's been set up in a certain time limit or, be, or within certain uh restrictions of where in the city you can go suddenly like oh you have to focus on that that route. So I think they can still kind of retain some of that if they they properly structure, you know, certain missions that make you go to certain parts of the world and, you know, interact with certain parts of it. How do you know what you can interact with and what you can't? Oh, well, games? I mean, that that's the hard part, right? So I, w- I would think that... I, I'm not sure how they would do it in Mirror's Edge. I haven't played the original. So I'm, I'm really curious to, to see what they do. Are you familiar with how it was done in Mirror's Edge? <clears throat> I know that, like, they highlighted certain objects. So basically, objects that you can climb yeah. are red. Yeah. And they starkly stick out against the white, white background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, there's some other colors too, but it's primarily red on white. Yeah, if it's open world, I mean, are you going to just say like, oh, these are the type of structures that you can climb and you just have to get familiar with them? That's what I would assume, right? That's, that's probably what they would do. I think that's asking a lot of the player to keep in their mind. Unless, uh, unless they are very clearly defined. Yeah, I guess it depends. To make like a natural looking city. Yeah. That's a weird way to phrase that, but to make a city that looks as if it would exist or right. could exist, I, I feel like that's a very fine line to walk. I mean, Assassin's Creed did a dis- decent job in terms of, like, making beautiful cities and also having you be able to walk all over the fucking place like Spider-Man. Mm. I think if they can find somewhere, like, in between where you're not Spider-Man, but there's a believable city with enough accessible points for you to, like, just kind of parkour over. I have not played the Assassin's Creed game. I just played, like, 20 minutes of one. <laughs> when did the first one come out? Do you remember? Jesus, a long time ago. 2007? Yeah, I want to say, like, seven or eight, yeah. Probably seven. I feel like 2007 was kind of a landmark year in terms of titles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the first Portal, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. I know. That's when Bioshock came out. Um, what well, was the orange box, I'm thinking? 2006, 2007. Yeah, it's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. First person, the only other game I can think of that I like the physics of, really, uh, is Metroid Prime. Ah, oh, Prime. And that's a game where you can double jump. And, it feels fantastic. And there's a lot of platforming, and it doesn't feel awful for being a first-person platform. Especially because you can't really look at your feet if you want to very Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't move and look around at the same time. Well, the hardest part, and I, I, I learned to do this eventually, but the hardest part is being learning how to lock your view not just straight, right, while moving. Because the, the controls that you do, it's not twin-stick controls, right? So you can't right. just look freely. Right. Uh, so the camera would always be at, you know, at standard... Center, basically. Center, yeah. But there was a button that you could use to, like, basically move your your view. And move yeah, it. but you can't walk while doing it. You can. You can oh, walk. really? You can, you can move it, and then you can lock it in place, and then you can move oh, while that's locked. Oh, I see what you're saying. Which I've done a lot, and, like, it's something that comes starts coming, like, started coming naturally to me after, like, six, seven hours in the game. I was doing it all the time. And it's pretty know, deep into a game to get used to something. That's interesting. Well, it's a really hard mechanic to learn, Yeah, I feel. That but game was not easy to learn. No, it took a while, but after you learned it, I, I mean, I went back to it to play it after like seven, eight years, and I hadn't played it, and it felt great. I think it works better than most first-person games because it restricts your eye, your line of sight. I think the uh, one of the big problems yeah, for I me... I think so, too, yeah. Especially if you're not going to use a mouse, but even with a mouse, to me, honestly... Freedom of movement for your vision feels unnatural because you can move in one way, look in a completely different direction, right. and it, no one can walk like that. Right. You'd be bumping into things all over the place. And I think the reason that people love the old first-person shooter games in particular is because you can't do that. Where you are looking is where you're going to go to. Hmm. I mean, you can move backwards and you can strafe, but that's it. Like, you can't, your your feet and your head can't really act independently from each other. I see. I mean, competitive shooting gamers don't have an issue with adapting to that, obviously. But it always felt really weird to me. And I think that's just why they never appealed to me, because it doesn't feel... I think that's why third-person shooters, in general, for me, are, like, I prefer them much more. Like, I I realize it's not really a, a, a shooter, per se, but I really love Resident Evil 4, like, the over the shoulder view is great for me and gears of war like i can totally get behind but i have a lot of trouble with first person shooters and i think it's because of that lack of kind of reference realism in the movement it's interesting i mean for all the talk about vr Mm -hmm. i feel like we still haven't even really got first just regular first person down properly well 
I think VR. You know I, mean? I think VR forces it upon us, right? You, you can kind of get away with it when you're doing first-person shooters because you don't you don't necessarily make people sick just from <laughs> moving unnaturally. Fair enough. Whereas in VR, it's a little different. So I'm I'm really curious to see what kind of VR games will come out, but maybe that's for another time. Yeah. That's a long conversation on its own. Yeah, for sure. It just makes you wonder. Like I don't know. It seems like it's it's a big leap when there's still like all these little things that we can't yeah. seem to remember from game <laughs> to game. In terms of development, you know, I'm playing, um, I started playing an MMO for the first time and it's one where it's supposed to be like active combat mm-hmm. versus like the targeting combat that's common in most of them, I guess. Yeah. I'm not an MMO guy, so I don't really know, but basically like you can dodge and yeah. you can, you basically have to like run around and like aim where your character is going to hit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's weird because it's like, it's funny that that is like where MMOs are kind of shifting toward, but they're so rudimentary. Right. Compared to other games that have been doing adventure games oh, yeah. for like a really long time. Definitely. It's really funny. It, it I mean, the I mean, movement and stuff is inferior to, way inferior to an Ocarina of Time, which is amazing to me. Yeah. But like a game from 1998 can feel 20 years ahead of a game from what, 2000, that probably came out in 2011 or 12, the game I'm playing. Yeah. At least to me, what I, what I think the obvious reason for that would be is just that you know it's going to be online. You know there's going to be large latencies. So like, you don't yeah. you don't want to mess up players by requiring lots of twitch movement. And and you know a first person shooter can get away with it because they have much tighter constraints. The the game itself is only going to have fifteen twenty players in a game server, and like you don't really have to be communicating everything all at once all the time. That's true. Whereas and so the MMO you have so many things going on like it's. That's a very good point. I just remember playing Final Fantasy XI. Like, that's the MMO I've played the most. And, like. Which is turn based, yeah? No, it's, it's. Oh, it wasn't? It was, it plays a lot like World of Warcraft, just a lot slower. Okay. I mean, it came, it came out before World of Warcraft a few years before and was pretty huge at the time. I mean, it's, it's not turn based. It's more just like everything has a time to it. Like, your attacks have a certain amount of time that they take to, to go into effect. And also, like, how long between attacks and casting spells takes time. so there's a lot like playing WoW, it's just much slower. But no, like, I'm just thinking of all the times that you would see someone sliding across the ground because, you know, the network's <laughs> catching up. <laughs> so I, I couldn't imagine back then, and this was several years after Ocarina of Time, so like five years after Ocarina of Time, let's say. I can't imagine trying to have that kind of reaction time playing on servers like that, playing that kind of game. Yeah. I wonder then if the reason this game moves more towards action is because it's it's made by a South Korean developer, hmm. where high-speed internet is much more common. Oh, God, yeah. And therefore, Korea, it's not get... as big of an issue. Latency, probably? I believe that. I wonder. I just, I mean, they're if they're developing for Koreans in South Korea, like, yeah. you can get away with a lot. I mean, it's available here, obviously. I'm yeah. playing it. But it's, yeah, I mean, we the North America probably was not the initial market, yeah. obviously. And therefore... They, but we, they probably weren't even really in consideration for, like, time and all that stuff. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. I wonder. I mean, Guild Wars 2 was... I heard a lot about that one, too, when I was looking up, because I was looking at MMOs that were, like, yeah. fantasy-based, but, like, a little <clears throat> more action-oriented. Yeah. And I found... Uh, it's called Terra. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of Terra. Yeah. Um, the other one that I read a lot about was... Uh, Guild Wars 2. Guild, yeah, Guild Wars 2. Yeah, no, and, and I remember playing the beta and being just impressed, because I hadn't played an MMO in a while, but since then... Or before then, and when I did, I realized, oh wow, they've 
they've really made this much more action focused, which I loved, right? You have an active dodge, um, and there's still kind of like a, a lot of things have kind of an area of effect, mm-hmm. but like your attack will hit one enemy, but you have to be kind of within the range, or, right? But then like if there's a certain like attack, it might be an AOE, so your dodge, you, you can kind of have invincibility frames through the attack, yep. right? Or you can literally just dodge out of the way, out of the way, or out of the area of effect or whatnot. But it felt much more active. You're not, yeah. you're not just targeting something and say, attack it. You have to be within range. You have to maybe target like where your attack is going to hit. And I really, really like that. I played a lot of Guild Wars 2 for a while. Yeah. I'm actually having a pretty good time with Terra. It's definitely fetch questy and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, that, <laughs> they all are like that. Yeah. And I wanted something that I could just kind of play ongoing. Without necessarily having an end. Because mm-hmm. the way I normally play games is like, I'm going to finish it. And then I usually put it away and I don't play it for a long, long time. Right. I mean, a game's got to make a big impression for me to want to play it again after I've finished it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted something just to mess around with that I could just pop in to play for oh, a yeah. while. And so Terra's a lot like what you described. Like, the enemies will... You get like this very clear grid of where their attack is going to hit. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little bit of time to get out of the way. Um, so basically it's a lot of like running behind waiting for them to attack, and then <laughs> launching your attacks. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have to wait a little bit for your... Uh, I mean, you have Full like bounce. a... Yeah, I mean, you have a bar, so when you do like your normal attack, it builds up one bar, and then you can use that bar. I mean, then you can do like special attacks with the other bar. I think this signals <laughs> the end. <laughs> Alright, sounds good. Alright, th- uh, thanks, Gabe. Yeah. Okay, so that was my first recorded conversation with Gabe. It was nice to sit down and talk through all the things I don't always have time to stop and think about while I'm playing. It helps give those thoughts a little bit of a fuller form and retunes my brain a bit to get me thinking about how to turn some of these thoughts into essays later on. If you're interested in some of the other stuff that we do, my essays can be found at jamessebastian.tumblr.com. I'm also on Twitter at jsebastiangames and on Twitch as jamessebastian. Gabe can be found on Twitter at mistalice, and his brand new website, gabem.me, is up right now, so go check that out. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.